time that well because we're not editing this before it goes out as audio. So there'll be a little bit of weird noise at the start of the audio version. Uh, welcome to episode, I should have checked, I think 103 of the Mighty yeah. Whites podcast. Uh, I'm Jack, as always, John by Casey. Hello. How's things, mate? All good? Yeah, not too bad. Now that we're back to winning ways, not far off Europe. Yeah, I mean, you know, we won it. We won it. Probably one of the worst teams that you're ever likely to watch this season. So we're definitely going to win the fucking league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll just get straight into it because, truth be told, both us and everyone, the few people that will be watching this live, will probably want to watch Spurs and Liverpool at eight o'clock. So we'll make sure we get through it before then. Uh, Newcastle won, Leeds United two. Um, Obviously, the main thing is the result. We won. Great result. But it, it wasn't a great performance overall. No. No, it's, it's not what you call vintage leads. Um, it, it very much kind of fit in with the performances of the last couple of weeks of, of looking a little bit disjointed at times. Um, certainly not helped by Urente having to come off again after 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a shame that we spent eighteen million on a centre back, and he is made of biscuits. Uh, yeah, it's, it's strange though, because I know I saw Phil Hay tweet a couple of days ago that he's he's never really had an in, an issue with injuries, and he's kind of been averaging around thirty thirty one league appearances a season, I think, so far. Yeah, he had one bad one. He had a, I think it was like a knee ligament injury that was a bad one, but he hasn't been one for. Although that's the weird thing, he's not been one for loads of little injuries, according to that because he's played 30-odd games a season. However, I know that Leeds Live did an interview with uh, one of the people that uh, like does it, they did a load of the coverage for Spanish football in English. Hmm. And they said, oh, he gets injured all the time. And that was their take on it, which is weird, because if he's playing over 30, games, 30 league games a season, he can't have been injured that much. Yeah. Unless but, he um, just... Unless he has six, like six one week injuries. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, six one week ones are tech. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that wasn't real. Obviously, he came back in and was straight back out, which is a shame. I thought Strauch did well when he came on, to be fair. Uh, but the, ma- the other major team thing was Click being dropped. Yeah. Um, I think needed doing. And, you know, he is someone who has been very much out of form these last few weeks. A uh, little bit... I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't Shackleton that came in. If I'm being honest, I think I would have preferred to see Dallas go back to left back and, and see Shackleton have a go. But um, I thought Dallas had a good game at centre mid doing his, his usual thing. And then I do think the one good thing about having those two play together in midfield, uh, or not having those two together in midfield, is that Whereas before, I've always thought Click seems to get on top of, uh, sorry, Dallas seems to get on top of Click a little bit and do a lot of similar things. Whereas without him there, I thought it gave Dallas that extra room to operate in. Yeah, I thought Dallas did pretty well in the role. I still think that the reason that he picked the team he did was that he was expecting Newcastle to play two up top. I still think that that team that he picked is a three-three-one-three, like on yeah. paper. And I still think that's why he made the decision he did. Maybe Click, this being the last game where Click could pick up a ban with a yellow card, that might have factored in, but I don't think... It doesn't seem like Bielsa's style to take that into account, really. Uh, he will have been well aware, but he would think, no, I'm picking the team for this game. Uh, but Newcastle did actually kind of surprise us by playing what on paper looked like a 5-4-1, but in the end appeared to be a 4-2-3-1. Um, yeah, I was I will just say quickly off the logic of dropping click so he doesn't get a one-match suspension, so we're going to make yeah. him miss the match. Um, well, there is an argument that you don't need him against Newcastle, but you do need him against Leicester. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, Newcastle was... I, I really didn't see a lot from them, honestly, I th- and I thought most of what they had in the game was, was more down to sloppiness from us in parts. Um, obviously, their goal comes from a, a really poor pass and we just weren't set. And I think, I think we probably should have done better recovering. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think if there was anyone in that Newcastle team who 
was particularly threatening when they were on the ball outside of St. Maximan once he came on. I thought he he looks absolutely different class to the rest of that Newcastle team. Yeah, St. Maximan very dangerous. I've really missed him because he's been struggling with COVID for quite he he had that quote long COVID. There was a few at Newcastle did, but he really seemed to struggle with it. Uh we'll split the game up because in the first half, although I don't think we were brilliant. In the first half, we were comfortably the better side, I thought. Like, we really... Newcastle didn't offer a great deal. We played some nice stuff. And uh, the Rafinha goal was a really good goal. We uh, pressured well high up the field. It was Alioski got in with a tackle. Made the ball, pressing up from left back. Uh, Bamford breaks through. Uh, ball into the right channel for Rodrigo. He, get, he gets covered off, so he can't get a shot away, but plays it back. Rafinha edge at box, and it's a very calm, composed finish. Like, I think in that sort of situation, like, a finish where you've got a lot of time, and even though we don't see him in that position very often, one-on-one with keeper, I think right now Rafinha's the one I'd back over everyone. Yeah, he... He's always funny, as Rafinha, just looking at someone who seems... I don't know if it's just that he's his own worst critic at, at times... But he, I, whenever he doesn't I, either doesn't get the pass in the penalty area, if he's been subbed or whatever, he, he seems so mad at himself. Um, yeah. But yeah, when he gets into those positions, he, he he looks so confident. Yeah, he looked a lot better for being returned to the right hand side because that that flipping him over and playing him the other side. I know that Harrison offers you more defensively, so they, if you're up against a really attacking left back, I can understand the logic. But Rafinha needs to stay on that right side. Uh, but it was a it was a really really good goal that I thought we played some good stuff. I thought, and we may as well talk about him with the first half because he ended up going off like just before the hour mark. I thought Bamford had a bit of an off day. Yeah, um, the, this is probably the most service he's had in the last few weeks. Uh, I think you know I think given the last few games, we've quite often said he's just not seen that much of the ball, and I think it was. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the last game where he'd ended up with only about nine touches in mm. in the opposition half or something like that. Um, yeah, this time he, he just looks a little bit off the pace and uh, I didn't think his, his hold-up play was quite as good. Um, the, I think the only thing he would have been frustrated with outside of his, his own performance was there was the chance that, if I remember right, it's Rodrigo from a really acute angle smacks it off the post. Uh, it was uh, it was Rafinha went for it from the tight angle. It was just after Rodrigo got put in, cut back onto his left, put, put two defenders on his ass, and then took an extra touch for no reason, and it got blocked. Yeah. And then then Rafinha hit the post from a tight angle, but Bamford was completely unmarked in the middle. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, the, there wasn't. You couldn't really speak much of Bamford's performance and as much as he, he sort of did his, his usual closing down, but there, there wasn't much else to his performance, unfortunately. No, and uh, to like put the cherry on the cake for the poor performance, uh, it was his terrible pass. It was an awful layoff towards Erling that uh, set up the goal, but there was a few people to blame. Uh, obviously, it isn't a witch. They, people make mistakes, it happens. But like, no, that I was part of Blame all of them. Blame okay. everyone. So I was going to say, because Bamford's pass was poor. I didn't think Ailing's tackle was particularly strong. Strauch was a bit too far forward and got caught a little bit out of position. But I do think that the, you have to, I personally have to say that one's Bamford's fault. Because Ailing's only in trouble because it's such a poor pass. Strauch's step forward and move forward because Leeds are trying to transition into an attacking phase. That's why they're all out of position. Uh, it's yeah. just, I mean, it's one of them things that happens, but when it happens at the end of a poor performance, it's more noticeable. Yeah, it's, it's a really poor area of the pitch to lose the ball like that. It's, I know it's a little bit out to, to the right-hand side, but it's, what, 25 yards from goal? It, it's really not that far out. Is it? And for, what, a three, four-yard pass, it's, it's somehow left dangerously short. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was poor from him, but... You know, it's Bamford. He's he's got quite a bit of credit in in the bank at the moment. Well, he's got all the credit, and it's like it's not like I mean, actually, I thought Tyler Roberts did was more lively. I thought Roberts played better than Bamford, but you don't. There's no. I wouldn't be changing it or anything. Bamford definitely starts the next game, and no doubt, unless there's any injuries or anything. Uh, but just throughout that second half, we just 
with the exception of one really good move that we'll come on to, Leeds were not at the races in this half at all. Uh, just gave the ball away too much, sloppily. Never really seemed to be able to get out, couldn't link up. And it's not the first time it's happened, but Fabian Schaar bringing the ball out from the back. It's not the first time we've been in trouble from a centre-back coming out with the ball. I mean, Dunk did it a few times for Brighton last week. Uh, in the first Newcastle game, Kieran Clark did it a lot of times. It was a real problem for us. And it's just, it's the, it's a huge hole in this man-marking system, which, don't get me wrong, I it has its benefits as well, so I have no problem with us playing it. But I think if they come out, there needs to be some communication where a midfielder is willing to leave the man and step into him. And who, in theory, we've got a spare centre-back and they have to be ready to cover when that happens. Because you can't just let people get the ball. If they've got two defenders against, whether it's Roberts or Bamford, if they play a square ball and set off, they've got a 10-yard head start. Whoever that striker is, is not going to catch him. And if no one challenges them until they get to 20 yards out, they're going to have shots. And yeah, yeah it, it might be it might be a low XG shot, but in the Premier League, some of them are going to go in. Yeah, that that's when really it needs to be handed off to you. You'd probably say either Dallas or Clicker or, or whoever sent him in at that point. It would probably be your best bet for stepping out there. Um, and then as the striker, you try and just drop in and and recover a bit. Mm. Um, you know, for I, th- I thought the one thing and one thing I mentioned to you quite a few times during the first half was the amount of times Callum Wilson turned around after Leeds were playing the ball out the back and, and there was just no one kind of covering Calvin Phillips. So mm-hmm. Leeds were, were able to play out fairly comfortably. I think second half, I think, um, as he's now known, Matt Ryan Fraser yeah. um, did, did a much better job of, of kind of shutting down quicker in that area. And, and forcing a couple of errors out of us. Um, yeah, I'd, and then, as, as I mentioned earlier, once Alan St. Maxman came on, he, he kind of covered every blade of grass and was just throwing, you know, just throwing himself through our back line, essentially. And cause I think, like, I'd, you look to him, and I don't know, he's coming into a game with half an hour left, but he, he just looked like a different animal altogether to the rest of that Newcastle team. Yeah, he's definitely their most dangerous player. And he's particularly dangerous against us, where he's always going to be up against one. Most teams will double up on him. Yeah. Because he's 1v1. And 1v1, he's got the beating of most people. So it's always going to be a problem. But uh, obviously, it was 1-1. And to be honest, by the time they got the equaliser, it was coming to be fair, the way that they're playing. But Leeds, luckily, soon after, decided to play the one piece of quality football that they played in the second half. And have you gone back and looked at this goal? Because I think it, we all knew it was a good goal at the time, but it was even better than I thought it was in real time. Yeah, when you watch it back, uh, I mean, the last I watched it was on Match of the Day. Um, just uh, for me, it's, it's that spot to pick out Harrison because he's, he's still... Not in the. If you were to look just before that pass is made, you would not say that Jack Harrison is in a goal-scoring position. Mm. You know that, but the ball into him is it was absolutely perfect for him to move on to and, and attack it from there. Um, it's not just it's not just that though. I mean, when Leeds regain possession, it's Jack Harrison by our corner flag two yards from our goal line. That's Reading all over again. Yeah, and you know Harrison plays it up the line. I think it's a one-two with Dallas and then it goes into... It, I want to say Strauch because it went into the left centre-back, but I think it might have actually been ailing and they'd all got a bit moved around. Hmm. Uh, but played back out, another one-two into Roberts, Roberts into Rodrigo, Rodrigo out to a fit. It's just really good football and a sweeping move where we took players out and passed and moved. And then obviously, as you said, it's brilliant from Rafinha and it's such a nonchalant finish for something that was such a difficult finish from Harrison. Yeah. And he he doesn't even like, he barely reacts when he scores it. It was I as if he'd scored it, it in training. You've got to play it cool, mate. When you, when you hit a shot like that, you've got to play it cool, haven't you? Yeah, well, we, we learned that watching Scrubs. It's so much cooler <laughs> if you'd make no big... <laughs> um, 
No, there's that great, I think there's that great picture that was taken as well, where his foot makes it, where the angle that his foot's at after he's hit it makes it look like he's smashed it some way back over towards the, the subs benches or something like that. Yeah. Um, the way he's just really cut across the ball. But as soon as it left his foot, you, you could see it going in. It just drifted nicely. Yeah. I said that was a it was an excellent goal, real moment of quality. And that's one of the problems Newcastle have. In this game, they were much better than they have been for the rest of this bad run they've been on. But because they've only got a couple of players that have like properly standout quality, you can't they're not getting the moments of like we didn't play well, but had a couple of moments of real quality and scored a couple of goals. Whereas Newcastle don't seem to have that. It's like she- I mean, Sheffield United are a prime example of it. Even if they play really well, and I know they won at Old Trafford last night, so and I'm very pleased for them because you know it's them. Yeah. But because they don't have that quality up front, they're not going to win many games with not with, where they've got 0.4 xG or something. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the XG was last night, but I'm guessing it was probably quite close. Uh, but then after that goal, we fell straight back into the trap. They just kept pushing forward, pushing forward. Uh, I think Lascelles hit the bar with a header. Jamal Lewis came forward from left back and he hit the bar with a shot. Melier made. I'd, he didn't make any outstanding saves, but he made three or four decent saves. Yeah. Um, they were. They were by far the better team, but we, it was one of them. It was a bit like the second half of the Burnley game where we just didn't get to grips with it, but we did enough. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's always going to be one of the, the advantages of of staying organised in that man-marking system. It, it, as long as you stick to your job in, in kind of the final third against teams like that, you will be fine. You know, the, like you say, the, there's not many players on that Newcastle team who are going to produce a, a moment of brilliance that that you're looking at going, well, there's not a lot you can do about that. No, like, I'll tell you what, a good example of that is when we played Palace. We were playing quite well for the most part, a couple of defensive errors. But like Eze smashing a free kick into the top corner from 25 yards. They had, Newcastle last night had six or seven free kicks in dangerous areas. And I think they're putting one good cross that Lascelles headed wide, and all the rest of them were poor. Yeah, like uh, as much as as much as uh, we made them look good at times, Newcastle are a poor side. Like none, I, I was sharing a fair few of them before the game uh, and for it all together. Newcastle fans just whenever I tweeted about the game, saying what their formation looked like on paper and stuff, they were all just going, "It's really bold of you to assume Steve Bruce has any sort of plan whatsoever." <laughs> You know, and oh, don't worry, you, you'll win this 4 0 way, will we? And then even through the game, going, yeah, but we won't do anything with this period of pressure. And they have no confidence in the team and just nothing. They, they need a changing manager as much to just try and create some sort of excitement and willingness in the club to fight because yeah. I just don't think there's anything there now. Yeah, I, I mean, Really, I, th- I think if, you, if you're going to have a team that's not going to have that much money invested into it on a regular basis, then you need, one, someone who I think is a good motivator who's going to lift your players to play beyond themselves on a more regular basis. Um, so I'm basically saying I think they need Harry Red now. Or, or Rafa Benitez, for example. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean that the thing with Rafa Benitez is like a, I do think he is an excellent tactician, and that's if you are playing under a limited budget or you, or you have a, a limited squad to work with, then that's that's what you need. Like I don't think Steve Bruce is a particularly tactically nous manager at this stage. Well, I believe in his own words. He's I, I, we, oh god, I'll see if I can find the actual quote because he said something that was basically that he doesn't. I don't do tactics, me. That's it. Quote I'm not really into tactics. You're a football manager for fuck's sake. I wanted so to make sure talks, I had the right quote. His team talks essentially defenders, you know what you've got to do. Midfielders, loads of energy, yeah, up and down, up and down. And uh, strikers, when uh, take your chances, yeah, right. Let's um, go out there, boys. 
brackets assertively go out there and make a difference. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether you look whether you need to look at someone. You know, I don't know if it'd be the right whether you get try and get someone like Eddie Howe in. Um, I, I know Bournemouth were always fairly well backed, but I, I do think he's probably a better motivator of players. And I do think tactically he's much more astute than than Steve Bruce is. Yeah, and, uh, obvi- and obviously he's not at a club, so he doesn't have. So there's no compensation, which will massively yeah. appeal to Mike Ashley, because uh, he's also linked with the Celtic job. And I'm, I would have thought that Eddie Howe would quite fancy the Celtic job. This season's yeah. a right. This season's a right off, and next season you've got the biggest budget in the league by an absolute mile. And, um, and you're still going to end up in in Europe. Yeah. So uh, the I guess the only place uh, that we've left is. That's the halfway point in the season. So, if I just get this up, and hopefully it all works. Uh, would you have taken this at the halfway point? Leeds United are 12th in the table. Uh, we are 13 points clear at relegation zone. Nine points off the Champions League, so we're definitely going to do it. Uh, but no, basically, like you look at that, if we replicate that, which, you know, it's un- you're not necessarily going to, but you replicate that and you finish on 52 points. And I think yeah, that, I think this it, season, we're probably on, I think this season you're only going to need like 37 to stay up. Yeah, I, I mean, to be honest, just looking at that, I'd, I'd, if you gave me our form over five games for the rest of the season, I'd, I'd snap your hand off. Oh, yeah, like if... Three, three wins and two defeats, yeah, no problem. I'll go just, with that. And just think, that is... Um, that's while that form of uh, three wins and two defeats in the last five games, that's with the wheels falling off. Yeah. Um, the wheels falling off was two league defeats. Yeah. One of those was to Tottenham. <laughs> no, uh, but I like, I just, there's no way around it. As much as there's been some games that weren't great, some pod performances, as well as some great ones, obviously, I would have, God, I'd have absolutely snapped your hand off. For this start. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the difference is in the championship there were there were poor performances against teams who, who we should have beaten, but we were just that much better than them than the opposition that we still managed to get the win. There are times this season, like the Brighton game, where we're where we're not going to play well, but you're coming up against better teams and better players, so that's not going to happen as often. Um, you know, as much as it, people can get excited going, you know, we're only four points off a Europa League place or a Europa Conference League, whichever whichever we're going for, really. Mm. We've come up from the Championship. We've kept most of that squad together. And yes, yes, there's, there's been a decent amount of money spent on that team. But even then, you know, the two big signings at centre-back have both spent probably now the majority of the season now injured. Um, so there's, you know, the the two main signings that are in the team in Rafinha and and Rodrigo. Outside of that, it's still mostly the Championship team. And yeah. to say and to say we're mid-table Premier League first, you know, first time of asking, brilliant. I'll take that. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, obviously, we didn't really mention it enough, but I do want to say I thought Rodrigo was much better in that Newcastle game. He wasn't perfect. There were still some times where he gave ball away a bit sloppily and stuff, but it was a mile better. And did you see that stat? Um, it's like being involved in a move that leads to a shot. It's uh, I, I fully appreciate what that one means. No, I know with, that it's a bit with, of a with my, stat, atti- with my attitude, there is a bit of me sees that and just thinks oh, it's a bit of a... Well, we're digging well, they- deep on these stats now, but no, I... Yeah. Uh, he's been because he was blind on the ball. That's not where you will uh, would disagree with me <laughs> on stuff like that. But no, no, it, it is good to see that he is someone who is still involved in in our attacking play as much as he is. Um, you know, the, I think there's still some way to go for him to replicate as well as he played against Aston Villa, for example. Yeah, but um. Yeah, it's nice to see he's involved in our in our attacking play as much as he is, and, and is and is making a difference. 
Yeah, as it that stat is a little bit, you know, specific and stuff. And it's thrown off by the fact Leeds have a lot of shots, not always from great positions. But it is definitely a a positive. One thing that I've only just realised, because I've still got that league table open in another tab, I didn't realise that we're only three points behind Southampton after playing the same number of games. Oh, sorry, wrong podcast. I was going to say that's a title chasing Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle? No. No. Uh, (laughs) They might be chasing the championship title next season. Under Frank Uh, Lampard. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, as I know, obviously, Lampard has been sacked, but we're only four points behind Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah. It's, I don't know, the league is looking a little bit different at the moment than, than kind of what you just, just to say for the full picture, we're four points behind Chelsea and Arsenal with a game in hand. Oh, that's not bad, that. That's not <laughs> bad. Um, uh, I mean, we admittedly, chasing, we're playing we Leicester chasing, next. <laughs> I was going to say, we're chasing down West Ham for that Champions League place here, so it's, uh, it's a very different place we're living in right now. Yeah, West Ham, who I believe I predicted to get relegated. Oh, no, we both did. That was... What I will say, though, is uh, as I was watching Match of the Day, talk about about West Ham, keep talking about Newcastle there, seeing how West Ham have done this season, and I I know we played poorly against them, but I do feel so much better for us losing to them. Now it turns out they're actually a decent team this year. Yeah, retroactively, although it's obviously it's a home defeat, so it's never a good result. Retroactively, it is not as bad a result as we thought at the time. We've lost to a Champions League contender. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, before the... Because obviously we've got Leicester next. That's going to be a tough game. There has been a couple of rumours. Um, the Eric Pulgar from Fiorentina one is still going. Uh, I still don't think there's much in this. It just won't go away. Uh, I don't want uh, oh, overly, overly, overly aggressive bastard getting sent off in my Stoke save. Yeah, I I thought that it was because he killed someone, but <laughs> because he yeah. did. Well, yeah, this is. I didn't realise until I'll the other day. The ridiculousness of football. Well, to be this one doesn't sound like it's uh, quite the same as the Marcus Alonso thing, but he did hit someone with the car. But apparently, it was a drunk person who did step into the road, and that was like proven. But he also drove off, so fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those weird ones, is that where we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, they barely even mentioned the Max Alonso one, and his was way worse. Uh, and you know, if criminal court found him not guilty, he's free to make a living. If in terms of just, I, he's not. It's not something that I'd say we definitely can't sign him for. It's not like a Luke McCormick thing or anything. Hmm. Uh, but that just won't go away, and you know, it can play in the Phillips role, or it could play as an eight. So, as a type of player, it does seem to work. A bit more tough tackling, which we'd probably need in the middle. Uh, but I don't think it will happen. The other one is uh, Josh Doig from Hibs, who's an 18-year-old left-back. I don't see that happening because we've already got Leif Davis and Niall Huggins as, like, young, under-23 left-backs. Uh, and you mean right-footer, Niall Huggins. Yeah, but, yeah, but whenever I've, when I've seen him play other positions this season, left-back does appear to be his best position. <laughs> So weird. I, I love watching him run at people, by the way. When he runs at players, he properly goes for it. He's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but Josh Doig's being linked with everyone. He's 18. He's broke into the Hibs side this year. And as with every young Scottish player that does well, he's linked quite heavily with Celtic. He's linked with loads of Premier League teams as an under-23 signing and loads of Championship and big-budget League One teams as first choice. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know where. He'll probably go somewhere, but I think it'll probably be at the end of the season, but I don't think we'll do it. And there's one big rumoured out, uh, which is Gianni Alioski. Now, he's been rumoured, like there was rumours that he'd ag- already agreed a deal for at the end of his contract to go to Galatasaray and stuff, which does appear to be bollocks. Uh, in case it isn't, I will say, him going there is not like Kewell going there. No. You know, Kewell was in that team. He was there when it happened. He saw what it did. Gianni Alioski is 20 years later and he's just a bloke from North Macedonia who happened to play for us, who put who worked his bollocks off for years and then would be off. It's not the same thing. 
I would want him to go anywhere else, preferably. But I won't begrudge him if he did. But for what it's worth, the story, the only one that was even primary sourced was like one in Turkey saying, you know, that they'd heard it and all the rest were reports in North Macedonia. Uh, it doesn't appear to be accurate, but it brings us on to a more out there discussion of he is apparently still in talks with Leeds over a new contract, but his contract's up at the end of the season. He's obviously free to talk to teams now who aren't in England. Um, do you think that he will sign a new deal or do you think he's away at the end of the season? And should he be? For his career, he, I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not going to profess to know a lot about the North Macedonian team. I assume that it would take a lot for him to not get into that team. But as far as I'm aware, he's pretty much a shoe in. Yeah. But, you know, he, he's at a point in his career now. What is he, 29 now? Uh, I believe so, yeah. You know, he, he's getting to a point now where. Oh, my, my bad, he's, he's 29 in two weeks. Okay. Um, you know, he's getting to that point now where you have most of your career is behind you. Yeah. And you probably want to be getting as much first-team football in as possible. And now, also, when you look at the levels he's played at, and bearing in mind when he signed his contract at Leeds, he will be one of the lower-paid players in the Premier League. Yeah. This is like his big contract for setting him up for life and his family and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, I would not begrudge him if he left. You know, we, we all love Janny because he's an absolute maniac. Um, is you know, I'd like having him around as a backup player. You know, he, he does a job as a left back. Decent enough winger, can play as a, an inside forward on the on the right wing as well. Um, but if he left, I, I wouldn't begrudge him it at this point if he wanted to get a few years of, of first-team football under his belt. Like you say, if he goes abroad, there's every chance he, he can play in Europe again as well, which, you know, realistically, is as much as some fans are crying for it, isn't going to happen for us next season, I don't think. Um, I, know. <laughs> I don't think we're going to catch West Ham which is a, a sad sentence. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, if you'd have said that to me before the season started, I'd have had a fucking panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be, we're not going to catch 19th in the table, are we? Um, no, he, if he wants to stay, I would imagine it's because he's fairly settled with his family and, and kind of sees himself staying here long term, uh, even if the government is now paying people to return to Europe. Um, but I dare say with the wages he's on, he's probably okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a little bit sad if he left because, again, we love him. The camera-kissing weirdo that he is. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him a move if, if he chose he wanted to, to get the first team football again. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much agree with most. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, pretty much all of that, to be honest. Uh, I would like him to sign a new deal. I think he's good enough to be in the squad. Like, the first-team squad. But the truth is, like, he shouldn't have played as many games as he has this season. The only reason he has is because we've had a load of injuries. Uh, he's, what well, at the minute, you'd say he's probably he's the second-best left-back. And he's, like, our fifth-best winger. Yeah, I mean, outside, I'm trying to think, really. I, I'm struggling to remember the last time we used him as a left winger. He played on He played on the wing in the 1-1 against Man City because Harrison was ineligible. Ah, yeah. That I think um, that's the only time, apart from he has, he's had a few minutes there after subs. And, but in the same way that he's had a few minutes at centre mid. Yeah. Uh, but... It, as I say, I, I like him around. I think he's fine to be part of your first-team squad. But truth be told, next season, if Leeds do what they should do and we've got another centre-mid and we've got a properly first-choice left-back, I would I could easily see scenarios where he's fit. And when we've got a fully fit squad, 
if they go back to seven subs, I could see him not even making the bench. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this season. Now, I don't think they will go back to seven subs for what it's worth, but... Mm. Um, You know, I think we've seen more and more this season, Leif Davis is on the bench, and and Bielsa clearly likes Leif Davis. Um, You know, I think even if if we don't go out and buy a left-back next season, I still think he probably drops to third choice behind Dallas and Davis. Uh, there's a there's a chance. Like I, we still haven't seen enough of Leif Davis to really know. But from what I've seen of him, I do like him. I don't like him as a centre back, but I do like him as a left back. Uh, so, and I mean, obviously, it's a shame that we wouldn't get a transfer fee and stuff. But what did we pay? Like one and a half million. You know, if, yeah. if he comes here, plays plays well for four years for the most part, works his ass off, and then goes somewhere else, then he leaves us. You know, a player that everyone likes, and he was part. Of, he was one of the players that got us up. So he leaves with maybe not hero status, but cult hero status. Yeah, I mean, I it's quite funny what he's turned into because obviously, I think that first season under that was been Christ- under Christensen. yeah, the, yeah, under Christiansen, and um, he was at. I think he got. Did he get nine or ten goals that season? He, he had quite a productive season. Yeah, he did score a few. Because I remember early on, because that's how long this podcast's been going. Not that not that many of you'll know. Because uh, I remember saying, as much as everyone's excited about Saez, I said Alioski will end up being the best one of these. And he's not the best one in terms of ability, but he has turned out to be the best of that group of signings. Yeah. Because Cooper was before that. Yeah, Cooper and Berardi were before that. They were, yeah. uh, I was going to say, they weren't even Radrizzani signings. They were they were Cellino signings. Yeah. Very odd to think. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else of that. I don't know. I'm guessing. Did Pascal Stroik come in then? Uh, no, I think Stroik. Uh, well, actually, Stroik might have been one of them because that was the summer where we bought like 20 odd, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when we just restocked the under twenty threes. Um, but yeah, he's certainly obviously the longest lasting um of kind of that group of that were in the first team. Um yeah, like we love Johnny. It'll be sad to see him leave. He'll go bother someone else, uh, another team's social media manager, I imagine. Yeah. By the way, I just got the list up for that for that season. Um under Christiansen, just on transfers in on Wicket, and like it fills up the whole screen. Oh, so many. Uh, well, as Janssen was one, but obviously he was on loan the season before, so we sort of knew that. Yeah. Now, here's the problem he wasn't it at the time, so we don't, I forgot it was the same season, but we also signed Mateus Click. Oh, ah. so I think that probably wins out. Yeah. Uh, just to go through that summer, Madga Gomez, Pontus Janssen, Matthias Click, Hadi Sacco became permanent, Viedvald, <laughs> uh, Vernon Anita, Kayla Beckyban, Samuel Safe, Ejan Alioski, and the close third place for sa- for best signing of that summer, Wasim Boy. Uh, then He's, J- still, J- he's still here. <laughs> then J. Roy Grot, Andy Lonergan, and then Adrian Balboa, uh, Pavel Kabitsky, Hugo Diaz, Bryce Asana, Alejandro Machuca, Oriol Ray, Osama Siddiqui, Kun Temenuskov. Those were all the signings that summer. Ah, Kun Temenuskov there, hang, just hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, Pascal Stroik was signed in the January. Ooh. As was Tyler Roberts. So, yeah, I would probably say in that case... Of that group of first lot of signings under Christiansen, Alioski's probably second behind Click. Yeah. Although Alioski technically has been more consistently good for us. He's never reached the peaks, but he didn't get bombed out by a manager who hated him for some reason. Uh, well, that was a bit of a tangent from Edgedan Alioski, but uh, we've got 20 minutes until the game, so we should be done in plenty of time. Leicester away, Sunday, 2 o'clock. Sunday, which as as a it's known to us, is not only a big day for Leeds United, but it's also Royal Rumble Day. So, yeah, for yeah. us, <laughs> uh, 
this and stands will, your ground. Yeah, we are going to be busy, aren't we? Uh, yeah. This is going to be a tough one. Uh, obviously, like less luckily for us, and not that I think this makes it an easy game, but it does help. Jamie Vardy's out, which does take away one of their their very biggest threats. Uh, Iosi Perez started in the game against Everton yesterday, so he'll probably keep his place up front. I would have thought it'd have been Ianacho, but apparently not. Uh, Wilford and Didi were struggling with a hamstring issue against Everton as well, so he might not be available. Uh, Johnny Evans went off with an eye injury, but he's expected to be okay. Uh, Dennis Pratt and Wes Morgan are also out, but Pratt would have been back up anyway, and Wes Morgan's not going to play. Um, even without all those players, Leicester are still a really strong team. Yeah, they've been, they've been playing some really nice stuff at the moment, and it, it's tough not to enjoy um, you know, Madison's form at the moment. He, he's having the time of his life at the moment. Yeah, he's a, he's a great player. Uh, obviously, they drew 1-1 with Everton yesterday at Everton, which isn't a terrible result. Obviously, we won there, but, you know. Uh, but 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 to be fair, like that um, Everton result, it means nine games unbeaten, and before the game against Everton, they'd won the previous five. Yeah. So like it's a it's a serious team. The third in the league. I am. Um, they out. They would deserve to beat us at Ellen Road and did. They, they this is a team that I'm really. And that's one thing, and I think I said this to you after the Newcastle game, actually, when we spoke. I would be really worried about this game if we hadn't beaten Newcastle. Yeah. I still think that we'll struggle in this game. But now that we've beat Newcastle, it, it still matters. We still really go for it, try and get a result. But if we get beat away at Leicester, I'll just, I will just think, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um... Yeah, they're, they're a great team. I, th- I think the, the one thing I'm really hoping for is that we kind of learnt the lessons from when they played at Ellen Road and, and were a bit more cautious about them hitting us on the counter-attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, obviously, the pace of Vardy very much helped them in that, but it wasn't just down to him. I, th- I thought they, they moved the ball so quickly, especially down our right-hand side uh, in that first game. So, mm-hmm. again, you, you just kind of need to be a little bit more sensible with kind of Luke Ayling and, and either Alioski or Dallas or whoever it is that ends up playing at left-back. Um, I was just going to say that um, even with those players out, it's a really strong team. I am more worried about them attacking down their left. I mean, I know Ayling is a stronger player, but I really rate Harvey Barnes. Yeah. And I think he'll cause real trouble. Like it might well be Albrighton on the right, who is a good player, but he's not as scary. But I do wonder if they might play Pe- if, if they'll be tempted to play Perez on the right and play Ianacho up top, mm. or even bring in Chengiz under, because Chengiz under was a real threat on the counter for that half hour we played against the Zellan Road. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. Cause I, I mean, I've always liked Iosi Perez as as kind of a very hard-working striker who probably doesn't get you as many goals as, as you would like. Yeah, I think the 30 million they paid was a bit much, but... <laughs> yeah, it seemed a lot after a, an unspectacular spell at Newcastle. Um, or Newcastle at Kilfred Iosi Perez right now. And as fact, manager. Can... <laughs> 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 yeah, fair play. I'd, maybe where's Morgan at this point? Nice transition for him into, into a managerial career. Um, yeah, I, I'm i still a little bit scared playing these just from, I think, how easy they found it to, to break us down at times. Yeah, they, they're strong all over the pitch. Like, obviously, Kasper Michael's a good goalkeeper. I'm, I'm not sure who they'll play at fullback, but it'll probably be Timothy Castanio on the right and James Justin on the left. And I think both of them are really good, especially James Justin, who's having an absolute worldie of a season. Yeah. Like obviously they signed him from Luton and he stood out a mile in League One, and he did okay last season. But this season he needed that one year to settle, and now he's just off to the races. Uh, I mean, Johnny Evans m- might be available, but the other two centre backs are Soyuncu Chu and Wesley Fafana. They might even play. They might well switch actually, because they played a back three at Ellen Road, didn't they? 
Yeah. Because uh, they played... This was in the All Stats Out Week quiz. Why can't I remember now? They played Fuchs left centre-back, uh, Fafana, and I can't remember who the other centre-back was now. I can't believe that. It was in the quiz and I got it right at the time. Oh, well. Um, but, yeah, they were, they were a seriously good team. Even with, Oh, they played James Justin as a centre-back. That's That was it. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, and it uh, was sort of all Brighton and, and Thomas as, as full-backs. Yeah, that was it. Uh, but, you know, all of those, like even that young Thomas is looks like a good player. Uh, Tielemans in middle of midfield, I love Tielemans. I think he's really good. I, yeah. Uh, he, he I, I, would, I would absolutely kill for him in our midfield. To be, you know, the actual eight that we want. Hmm. I'd love that. To, I, he would be, I mean, it wouldn't, it would never happen. They paid 40 million. He's probably worth double that now. But he he is absolutely quality. If Ndidi is missing, that could be something we could get at, especially with Dennis Pratt being out. Because, but I suppose, like I don't know who they'd bring in. Maybe that Nampal is Mendy, who isn't amazing, but he, he's not bad either. He's still pretty good. They do. They, they've got such a. They've invested well. The squad is good now. And then obviously James Madison is really creative. Really skillful and has the ability to just twat it into the top corner from anywhere within thirty-five yards. Yeah. Um, yeah, Leicester are really, Leicester are just a really good side. I really rate Brendan Rodgers as a coach. Admittedly, is a bit David Brent in his press conferences and stuff, but <laughs> but he's he's clearly doing a really good job. There's no, you know, he's just they're just a good side and they've got a squad that's worth a lot more than ours. They, there is no way that Leeds should get anything from this game. And remember how last time I said, Newcastle is shite, we'll lose 1-0. Well, this is, Leicester are really, really good. We'll get a 1-0 out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's an interesting one back in the draw for us this season. It's uh, Yeah, because we, we do not draw games. <laughs> no, it's, it's not really our style, isn't drawing games this season. We draw two out two. of 19, which I think is the... Joint fewest in the league, yeah. yeah she- Chef United have drawn two, Villa have drawn two, everyone else has drawn more. Yeah, just nice and, and to get those draws against Arsenal and, and Man City if, again. If you'd have said that at the start of the season, you know, like, that's not bad against, that. Ars- against Arsenal and Man City, and we could have won both those games, we should have won the Arsenal game, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm I'll flip roles with you here, I'll, I'll be the pessimist in this one and say we lose two now. Uh, the problem is, I'm, if we end up getting a result here, that means that when it's a game we're expected to win, I'm going to have to predict us to lose. And when it's a game we're expected to lose, I'm going to have to predict us to get something. And at the end of the season, I'll go back for all of this and I'll have, like, no points. <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean, now as, as a... But if we finish, like... But if that means we end up finishing, like, 10th, I'll be good with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've got an interesting run of fixtures coming up now obviously after Leicester we've got Everton Palace then Arsenal I think is, is that the fixtures I haven't looked I haven't actually looked beyond uh, I did look at the dates of them when they all got moved for TV because I was trying to get them all off work which I think I'm good for now yeah Leicester oh we'll we'll be back fairly soon after Sunday because the Everton game's Wednesday night okay yeah Wednesday night Everton at home then Palace at home Arsenal away Wolves away yeah, so if, if you're kind of looking ahead there, out of those five, with the, the little revival Arsenal are on at the moment, yeah, Everton and Leicester are both having good seasons. If if we picked up the wins against Palace and Wolves, I'd, I'd be fairly happy with that. Cause that the Wolves team aren't, just aren't clicking at the moment. Yeah, Wolves are a little bit out of form at the minute. They're 13. For three points behind us, they've played a game more, but I mean, I know that they they obviously massively miss Raul Jimenez, but I do expect them to get a bit better. I must admit, this is quite a tough one of fixtures because Leicester away is tough. I know we won at Everton last time, but Everton at home is tough. Palace at home doesn't sound as tough, but we've already seen they, their setup is pretty much ideal for against us. Mm. Arsenal are obviously better than they were. Wolves, I would expect to be better in a month's time. And then Villa, Villa at home, then West Ham away. Then Chelsea at home. 
The the next game that I'd say on paper, yeah, we definitely should win that. Like there's we will I back us to pick up points and win one or two of these as well. But the next one that I'd say, right, we have to win that is Fulham away. And that's like middle of March. It's in March. You know, right. that's that's the next one that I would say, right, we have to win that one. I think that we probably will win a couple of these next seven games. Hmm. But the good, the thing is that we only need to win a couple of them, really. We've got 19 games left. If we win four of them, that's 38 points. Yeah. And then, you you know, you draw a couple and you're fine. Hopefully. So I, I do think, that I honestly, I'm not worried about it, but that's the next game that, like, this far out, I can say absolutely 100% we have to win that. All the, all, all the ones up for to, over a month now. Yeah, all the other ones are games that we can win that, but a draw would be okay. All it, it's a, it's a bit of an odd situation to be in. The two years of being up at the top of the championship and thinking all bar about four games a season are ones we have to win. Yeah, it, it's a it's a different situation to be in that takes some adjustment. And, and those four, are, oh god, I hope we don't lose. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they, they were Brentford away. <laughs> and any game in London. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the that is the thing about this run. We've got all of them, but there's only the Arsenal and West Ham away games that are in London. And then the next one we have to win is Fulham, which luckily isn't in London. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> ah shit. And obviously we've just bought a pitch off a London team, but apparently it wasn't actually grown in London. So we're okay. <laughs> I'm trying to just think. I'm trying to picture the lorry that carries a pitch like that. I mean, I assume it was sideways so you can get it down the street. Yeah. <laughs> ah, no. Flew it in on four helicopters and lowered <laughs> it in. Yeah. It, it was like something from the inauguration. It was. <laughs> Right. Uh, well, timing-wise, I think that's worked out fairly well. So, have we got all else that we need to do? I think we've covered everything. Like if we haven't, we're back in a few days anyway. Yeah, we'll be back on like. Uh, I don't actually know what my shifts are, but probably Monday, maybe. Yeah, Monday-ish. Yeah, Monday-ish, but I've no idea when it'll actually be. So that'll do us for episode 103 of the Mighty Whites podcast. We're on Twitter at Mighty Whites Pod, where some of you might well be watching right now. Uh, the website is mightywhitespodcast.com. It will be on every major audio podcast thing other than Acast because we don't use Acast. Uh, the stuff that we write goes up on through go, goes up on through it all. To, don't say that because they do ads. So if we get more successful, we will go on Acast. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Acast. Yeah. Um, we, the stuff we write's on through it all together, which is on Twitter at thiu it's all lufc and at through it all together.sbnation.com. If you need any audio work doing, obviously there's no studio open at the minute due to COVID, but if you need anything editing or if you need musical production and stuff, the Mighty Wax podcast is done when everything's regular at Medicine Room Studios and Medicine and Don Benison, who runs it, is a good mate of ours and he's also incredibly good at his job. He's even jokingly managed to make me sound all right singing with After Effects and stuff, and I can't sing a fucking note. That's how good he is. Uh, but yeah, that's everything. So I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. Have a good one. In a bit.